Welcome to Inside Out, a podcast from Ipsos UU that explores emerging trends, budding innovations, fresh thoughts, and creative ways to get closer to real people in real life. Each episode features thought-provoking conversations showcasing industry-leading thinking from our global network of insight specialists. Hi, I'm Emma Grant, and I'm your host of today's episode of Inside Out. Today, we're exploring the highs and lows of agility and whether it's possible to marry agility with depth to go beyond the minimum viable insight. Our expert with me today is Rallo McIntyre, our global innovation lead from Ipsos UU, which was recently named as the number one most innovative qualitative research partner by Green Book's 2019 GRIT report. Welcome, Rallo. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Emma. It's lovely to be asked. Well, Rollo, agility is the buzzword du jour. It seems like it's on everyone's minds lately. What are some ways in which businesses, and specifically insight teams, are trying to be more agile today? And what does agile even mean? The, the agile movement, as it were, started in, in early 2001 with um, the, the Agile Manifesto, basically for software, so it was developed for, for agile software um, development. And what it meant was that it was quick timeframes at equal or greater quality. So what, what's Agile? It's really doing something that's iterative, it's fluid, it's flexible, it's using small teams, what they call small thinking, so maybe taking com- uh, complex problems and breaking them down to small tasks for small teams, but they're all working together. The opposite of that, the way that they used to work is more of a what they call um, a waterfall, which is more rigid, depends on the flow, and it's, it's a much more structured process where it all happens in one go, whereas Agile allows you to work on separate things at the same time and also change mid-flow. So if you find that there's something that needs developing, you can, you can stop what you're doing and then start again in, that, in a new way. So, it started with, with the software development, but more and more um, teams are using it in different aspects of business, including research. So it's very relevant to what we do in research. I would say, though, that the successful companies that are doing this outside of research and inside research are ones that are really finding the value. So what's the value for, cu- for customers? And those agile companies that are doing this well, they're really listening to the customers. They're interacting with them. They're co-creating with them. And I think that's a really, really key, important point for this. So to that point, what have been the results that we've seen in terms of this move towards agility? I'm sure there are some really great examples of how it has worked super well, but are there bad examples as well? There are dangers for sure. I mean, Agile is great and we, we would always support our, our clients on that journey. We're, we, we're using Agile within our own networks as well within, within Ipsos, but you need Agile experts running the show. It's not something you can just change immediately. You need to change behavior. And to make it work, you need to change organizations, the structure of how they work together. It's not something that can just be easily rolled out. So the the companies where I've seen it work really well is they have agile units. It's like a SWAT team almost. That's what they do. They, They run these agile projects all around the world and they run them like clockwork and they run really, really effectively. Where it hasn't worked so well are when um, it's just applied to an everyday project. So people use agile terminologies, but they don't stick to the principles of what makes agile work. And you, there is a danger within that as well. There's also, there's a, there's, a, there's a thought process that agile means you can just do anything at any time, and not at all. It needs to be even more controlled 
by a central body who's ma managing that flow of what's going on and holding on to the big idea what are we trying to achieve at the end of the day and that i would say is one of the biggest issues that we have right now is we're not holding on to what really matters sometimes we're getting too distracted by by the little things you know we're under a lot of pressures to make short wins within short time frames that keep people happy where we forget about the really important thing which is about we're making people's lives better it's funny because it reminds me uh, the way you speak about agility and what's needed to do it well it reminds me a lot about what's written on change management, right? And how you need kind of that golden triangle. You need people, you need technology in, in many cases these days, but you also need processes to support it. It's not something that you can just blink an eye and one day a new software is, is implemented across the organization. So it sounds much more like you need you need a whole framework or a whole new behavior behind it. You do, you definitely do. You need frameworks, you need behavior change. You need structures that are different. I mean, the biggest challenge really is, is to work across different silos within organizations. This is something that you, you need to work really, really well. What works in Agile is everyone, all these different teams working perhaps separately, but with a common goal. That means we need a lot more collaboration than, than perhaps we're used to. And as we know, organizations, we're all human. You know, there are issues between them. Sometimes they don't collaborate as much as they should. And that is one of the biggest, the biggest issues. I do that point you made there about human, really that's the bit that can easily get forgotten in this though. At the end of the day, it's about humans. It's a people-led thing, you know, people-centric ideas are what need to come out of this whole process. So that can sometimes get lost in, 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 the, in the process as we go through. The other thing is that it's, is, you know, humans are generalists, but we like to specialize. That's what we're good at. You know, we, we make sense of the world by having, by having a narrow focus. The problem with that though, is that you, you know, we're good at adapting when, when our conditions change. Right now, our condition is changing all the time. We're in constant flux. We're, in, we're always sprinting um, at that flat-out speed the whole time. So we're always in that adaptive mode. We're always adapting to, to what's come in. And we, that's addictive, and we love that, and it's living in the fast lane. But sometimes we lose what, what, really, what really matters. And in the, the research world, the implications for us, the danger is that we're being constantly adaptive. We're reacting to a never-ending need for new ideas. Well, I think that's a really important point too, because when you hear of agility, and I'm sure uh, some listeners can agree with this, sometimes people just mean fast. You know, they mean overnight research they want done, they want the results ASAP, but it can't always work that way because there can be an inherent tension if you're just talking about speed versus depth and empathy to get at real insights. Absolutely. And I would say what, you know, a big thing we keep saying to clients is slow down at the right time, you know, slow down to go fast. Don't always sprint. You can't always sprint. There are times that you really, really need to go to, um, to go fast. An example actually of that is we went to visit a, a client recently who's constantly pushing us for speed. That's the one thing they always say, you know, we'll say we can do it in a week. They say do it in a day. We'll say do it in a day, do it in an hour. And that's a constant challenge to us. So we went with them in the communication process for developing creative, um, you know, development for their comms. And we said, we've got the sprint. We're going to do everything in this really short period of time. And they were absolutely horrified, you know, they said, no, there's this whole creative magic that ad agency is going to come up with. You've got to give them freedom and space for that. I thought it was a really lovely point, you know. So now we're saying sprint at the beginning, let them do their magic, sprint at the end. And that's a good, you know, a good way of looking at all research really is do more at the beginning for your foundational understanding. Do more at the end for that activation, but leave the magic in the middle. 
The other thing we see is that the whole DIY phenomenon, and that's great as well. There's wonderful things in that. Clients quite rightly want to get more involved in insights. They're co-creating with, with respondents. They're having those kind of on, ongoing dialogues. And that, that allows them to make products you know, with people rather than for people. And I think that is brilliant. Um, but there's some unease around that. Speed is good when you're good to go. You've got to be prepped beforehand. You've got to have that kind of curated opportunity. So that's probably my biggest issue that I have right now when we talk about speed is we haven't done the foundational research first. We haven't immersed in those insights. Um, therefore, we do a, a quick kind of quick sense halfway through and that doesn't help anyone. So slow down to go fast, go deep with a early with those key stakeholders and you know that creative cognitive empathy that we talked about before so you know how to help help people and you feel that insight firsthand you know then you can go as fast as you like and you know diy is time consuming in itself for clients so there's a lot of you know they don't always have the skills they've got to do that on top of their day job so it is it can cause a few problems as well as as that. We would say curate for assisted DIY, you know, let us do the, the ground heavy work, let us immerse you in that insight and that then allows you to go much, much faster. But empathy and agility, can you do those at the same time? Yes, you can, but you need to change the structures, you need to change behaviour, you need to, change, to choose when to sprint, you know, when you know, when you're sure you're on the right path. And that's this danger about the the minimal viable insight. You know, we're going along with something that's not fully thought out. We don't have that foundational immersive experience that we can believe in. I love calling it that, the minimum viable insight. Can you tell us what that means? Because obviously it comes from the minimum viable product, which is used a lot in the tech world. What, is, right. what does that mean? And that's good in a sense. Your, your, your MVP in the product world means you, you get something out there, you test and learn, you test and learn, and then you develop it. That works very well for the agile process and they sprint, they sprint that through. But with an insight, that's not how it works. For sure, you can develop insight, but it's got to be deep at the beginning. It's got to, you know, it's got to be about an ache, not an itch. And, and I think we fall in love with the itch. You know, we're always, you know, under pressure to come up, help me, give me a bit of insight around this. So you, you fall in love with that. I'm gonna give you the itch instead of really working a bit harder, going deeper earlier, and coming up with that ache when you when you you know when you answer an ache you you put joy into people's lives you change it you make things for the better and it's just something that is just it's a blue packaging versus a red packaging it's not going to make the big difference as well so that minimal vile insight is like don't just have a sense check i hate that word let's just sense check something and make sure it's okay before we put it into this agile process kiss of death so give us an example what is, what's an itch and what's an ache so an itch and an, an ache. So in my world, can I talk about my world? Yes. Can I talk about me as a person, a human yes. being? So my, an itch would be, you know, a great innovation would be something like um, a phone. You know, so when I look at my phone, I do this and look, it's opened up. Very clever. It recognizes my face. Or my car key. When I forget to turn my car off, it turns it off automatically when I'm 20 meters away. But they're fine. That's an itch. An ache for something is something that sparks joy, and joy is something really magical. So I've just come back from Costa Rica, been on holiday there in the jungle. I actually, we, there's this wonderful innovation that's developed by this person I know, in fact, who developed this laser beam 
in the jungle. So you, in the jungle, you, you know, a guide can say to you, oh, there's something there. You cannot see it. You can be next to a brontosaurus in the jungle. You wouldn't <laughs> see it. You know. So what this laser beam does is it, it points in any kind of jungle to exactly where they want to say. And they'll say, look, it's just you know, a meter left of where I'm pointing. It's just amazing. It opens up this whole world of things that before was not there for me. It sparks joy. And joy is amazing. For me, that's a wonderful innovation. And I hope it's not blinding these poor animals it's in the not. jungle. <laughs> That's why it's a brilliant innovation, is it? Because it doesn't okay, do that. And it, they always point to the left, not right, not right to it, though. Okay, good. So why are our organizations not getting to these really deep insights? Well, I think it's, it's easy to, you know, we're, we're constantly under pressure to come up with something, something, something. Give me a bit of insight around this. Give me this and the other. So the, the danger of that, the danger of using an insight that's really, you know, half-baked. It's something like, you know, this pressure constantly to give me an insight to work with, give me something now. The half-baked insight, that minimal insight, it doesn't connect with the human truth. It's just too, it's too transient. It's too um, tactical, you know. So the danger of that being constantly adapted to the immediate changing environment around us, we forget why we're here. We're here to make lives better. That cognitive immunity where you, you know, forget what really matters. You're only looking for new news. So you forget what's the really big in things in life. That's the most important thing. You know, that's when we, we, we accept the itch when we should be always looking for that, for that ache. But to that point, I mean, what's, what about good enough? Right? Like, how do you know where to draw that line? Good question. So good enough is good enough in lots of different things, but I wouldn't say it's good enough in terms of an insight. So good enough is good when you might have a, um, you might have a pack, you might ask people to play with and all those things, but your insight that, that's the reason why people want that pack and that product and that, all those things behind it, that's got to be deeper. And that's the thread that uh, runs through all these different processes. As so you think now that, the world of research is changing enormously. So we have lots of different skills. We have, you know, anthropologists, semioticians, discourse analysis. All those things need to be tied together. That's a new skill in itself. The ability to tie that all the way through. An agile process might have 10 different teams working separately on different initiatives with one common goal. The role that we have as researchers and the role of the insight department is to keep that common thread all the way through. If it's not through all the way through, it gets lost. So it sounds like what you're saying is that Agile can be good and it can lead to really strong innovations when it's done well. But what we need to focus on is really keeping the insight at the heart of an Agile process. And really then it's about tying together all of the different pieces, curating around these insight and always keeping that as your number one. Is that right? Absolutely, absolutely that. And I think it's about being a, a learning organization. So the best organizations are want to constantly learn from everything that they do. And the difference between that and a, you know, a waterfall one is that it's the inside departments. They are the golden thread between the agile, between DIY, between specialist skill sets. They are the puppet master, not the puppet in this process. You know, they are helping the organization choose the right approaches at the right time. And crucially, they know when to go slow and when to go fast. So what would your advice be then to, say, an organization who hears about a new DIY tool that they just really want to try in order to help with their innovation and they, their bosses see that it's agile and maybe we can get insights a few days faster? What would your advice be to them? I'd say go for it. I mean, that's a fantastic way if, if you know, the, there we go. So go for that. Go for your faster insights, go for those agile fast tools. And DIY is good. 
I love DIY because DIY is, you know, it's the IKEA effect. If you've done it yourself and you've, you know, made that table, then you have a, you know, you're, you're proud of it. You have a, a sense of ownership. And that's the same with insight. If, if we build it together with clients and clients are involved, they're immersed, they co-create with, with respondents rather than for them, then it's a much better process. We love that. But what can happen though, is that they don't always have the skill sets. They do it too fast. They do it too light. And that kind of light qual light insights, minimal viable insights, I think it doesn't help anyone. At the end of the day, it doesn't help the client, it doesn't help people, it doesn't help the industry. So for me, there's, there's danger in that, but if you can do it well, then great. And we're all for that, 100% get people involved in doing their own, their own, their own research. But get to back to my, my point beforehand, make sure you fundamentally understand the people, the need, the insight that, that runs through that whole process. Otherwise, it's just light all around and doesn't help anyone. I love that. And so you have a great title that speaks to innovation here at Ipsos. You're the global head of innovation for UU. How did you become interested in innovation and in particular, I guess, in, in the past few years, um, agility? So um, I come from a so background in various different things. You know, I've run my bar, I've you know, had an import company. I've always wanted to understand people, understand, you know, opportunities in the market, you know, what what people really want in life rather than what they're given. All those things I think are really fascinating. I think the agile the agile thing for me is really interesting in the sense that it's come it's almost been chucked at people to say, you must do this now. Agile's a buzzword. You must be agile. And everyone runs around like headless chicken doing things. So it's been good for me to actually take those principles of what works really well in another industry and apply it to ours, but also add our own disciplines as well. You know, don't, don't just go out there asking questions. You know, observe before you do that. There's lots of principles that we can apply at, at, at every stage. But for me, I, I, it's just zoning on, on that consumer truth. It's human-centered ideas that people really have an, an ache for, not an itch. That's what, for me, is, is really, I'm passionate about finding that for people and helping them, you know, making their lives better in an interesting way. And you always seem to be in the know on kind of the latest tech, the latest everything happening in the industry, new innovations even outside of the industry. How do you stay on top of what's new and what's going to be the next big thing? Obviously, you know, reading all the usual materials that you get. I do think, though, is spending time with kids and people who are completely different from you. I think, you know, I'm an old white man and I, you know, have my little enclave and we have that problem with thinking everyone else is like you. So it's really good to spend time with people that are different, that challenge you. We're not in our ivory, in our ivory towers. I do think Gen Z, for me, Gen Z have been absolutely really open up my eyes to lots of different ways of looking at the world. You know, I love what they're doing now with the whole you know, against plastics and having purses. So we as a family over the last August, we went plastic free in August. It's impossible to be plastic free when <laughs> we tried it. It's almost impossible. You, it's so hard and we live in this world where you, where you know, I cannot get things without all this ton of unnecessary plastic around. Yet these Gen Zs, they're growing up and it's completely normal for them to not have plastic. It's normal for them to believe in something that is beyond the, the values that we take as normal. So for them growing up, it's completely normal. There's this massive divide of what we see as normal, what they see as normal. And our, our businesses, our cultures, our organizations, the products that we make are not answering them. There's such a big divide to get there. So for me, there's a huge opportunity there. You know? And I think spending time with people like Gen Z really can open up your eyes and then you know, the customers of the future as well. 
Well, thank you so much, Rollo, for your time today. That was really interesting to learn about agility and innovation. And where can people go to learn more? Email me, uh, rollo.mcintyreipsos.com. I'm always happy to talk to anyone more of these ideas, and I'm, I'm very much still learning myself, so always um, open to challenges and to talk through any of the issues around insights, around being agile, and the future of Quill as well. That's great. And we'll put his email also in the description of this episode so that you can reach out directly. Thanks, Rallo. Thank you very much, Rallo. Thank you all for tuning in to Insight Out. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app to make sure you get all of our latest episodes delivered right to you. We'll see you next time. Thank you.